Hello, who are listening to the Greekonomics podcast. Let's begin the episode of the best podcast in the world. Hey, everybody. This is Alkis, and you're listening to the Greekonomics podcast, the show that explores how social, technological, and economic conditions will affect the businesses of the future with a focus both on the Greek economy and worldwide. Hello and welcome to today's Greek economics episode in which we are going to talk about the most recent Nobel Award for Economics. On Monday, the Nobel Prize in Economics was given to Ben Bernanke, Douglas Diamond and Philip Dibvig, largely for papers they published almost 40 years ago. The laureates explained the central role of banks in financial crises. Diamond and Dibvig developed theoretical models that explain why banks exist how their role in society makes them vulnerable to rumors about their impeding collapse and how society can lessen this vulnerability. These insights form the foundation of modern bank regulation. They basically provided the first really clear analysis of why bank crises happen and why they represent rational behavior from the part of bank depositors. They argued that there is always a tension between individual desire for liquidity and the economy's need to make long-term investments that can't easily be converted into cash. That is what banks do anyway. They take the money from the depositors who can withdraw the money whenever they want and they invest it in illiquid assets like business loans. Their analysis was also full of implications for financial policy. At the same time, Bernanke provided evidence on why bank runs matter, and although he avoided saying so directly, why Milton Friedman was wrong about the causes of the Great Depression. Bernanke's research shows that bank crises can potentially have catastrophic consequences. What do I mean by catastrophic? Between January 1930 and March 1933, US industrial production fell by 46%, and unemployment rose to 25%. The crisis spread insanely quickly to other countries too, resulting in a deep economic downturn in much of the world. In Great Britain, unemployment increased to 25% and to 29% in Australia. This, this insight illustrates the importance of well-functioning bank regulation and was also the reasoning behind crucial elements of economic policy during the financial crisis of 2008 to 2009. At this time, Bernanke was the head of the US Central Bank, the Federal Reserve, and was able to put knowledge from his research into policy. However, the work for which Bernanke is now being recognized is formulated in an article from 1983, which analyzes the Great Depression of the 1930s. So banking is a productive activity that makes the economy richer by combining the desires of depositors for liquidity and productive investment. And it, it, it normally works because only a fraction of bank de banks depositors want to withdraw their funds at any given time. If suddenly, however, 
depositors want to withdraw their funds, then there is an issue, and banks are exposed to this issue. If depositors start to believe that others are cashing out, and they try to do the same, and quickly withdraw their funds to beat the market, then banks will have to sell these illiquid assets at a much cheaper price. It is much cheaper because they need to meet these demands for liquidity, and by selling these assets at these prices, an institution that was solvent, that means that assets were greater than liabilities, that it was able to repay its debt essentially, now isn't and may become bankrupt. The people that didn't withdraw are the main losers in this case, as they are left with nothing, and thus the behavior to initially withdraw and panic is rational. A classic example of this is the wave of the banking crisis between 1930 and 1931, in which the banks that actually survived made much fewer loans and people also had less trust in the banks and therefore there was a diversion of wealth into unproductive assets. People were, for instance, hiding the money under their mattresses as uh, there's an expression. <laughs> Bernanke explains that the depression that followed and the slow recovery after that is due exactly to this diversion. Friedman supported that the banking crisis of the early 1930s was damaging because it led to a fall in the money supply. Edward Nagy was like, this is only part of the story, Milton. Actually, before Bernanke's article was published, the conventional wisdom amongst economists was indeed that the depression could have been prevented if the US Central Bank had printed more money. What this article changed, though, was its answer. A yes, but there's also this. This, this, is what I mentioned before about the decline in the banking system's ability to channel savings into productive investments. Using a combination of historical sources and statistical methods, his analysis showed which factors were important in a drop in GDP. He found that factors that were directly linked to failing banks accounted for the highest part of the for the biggest part of the downturn. Let's get back to the main topic. The solution of Diamond and Debvig to this panic was to have a government backstop, as Truman states in his New York Times article. This backstop can be deposit insurance or the willingness of central banks to lend money to the tribal banks. Essentially, this way no money needs to change hands. However, one might say that um, banks can do whatever they want and we will expect the taxpayers' money will be used to bail them out. This is why banks need to be firstly regulated and then backstop, as we saw in the 1980s crisis. Another implication of Diamond and Debvig was the meaning of the term bank. Banks are more than what many people think. A bank is any way, shape or form of essentially using the liquid assets of people to make illiquid investments. In 2008, for instance, banks were pretty much okay and there was not that much of a crazy withdrawal of deposits. But remember, banks are not only, well, banks. They include also things like repurchase agreements or repo, as they say, 
which many institutions used instead of deposits due to their higher yield. By the way, a repurchase agreement is a short-term agreement to sell securities in order to buy them back at a slightly higher price. The one selling the repo is effectively borrowing and the other party is lending. Since the lender is credited, the implicit interest in the difference in prices from initiation to repurchase. And yeah, this was the the fun extra bonus <laughs> explanation of the day. Anyway, when the panic came, the money supply didn't plunge as it had done in other years, yet things like repo did. Bernanke was the Fed chair and intervened significantly, and this has somehow worked, and in other cases too. How the financial markets should be regulated to fulfill their function, channeling savings to productive investments without causing recurring crises, is a question that researchers and politicians continue to wrestle with. The research being rewarded this year, and the work that builds up on it, makes society much better equipped to take on this challenge. A challenge which affects us all. And that's why I decided to talk in today's episode about this year's Nobel Prize in Economics, as I think that it's one of those really, really important ones, and it's also quite interesting. Anyway, this is where I'm going to end today's episode. Thank you for tuning in. By the way, sorry for not uploading during the past two weeks. Uh, As you can understand, making these episodes, even these 10-15 minute ones, takes a lot of time as to write the script, to research, to record, to edit, to do all these things. This takes a lot of time. However, at least um, I think that in today's episode, um, I hope to have at least provided some insightful information about this year's Nobel Prize. And yeah, once again, thank you for listening and we'll meet again in next week's episode. Thank you for tuning in Greek economics listeners. And we will meet again in the next episode.